Hiya, pal. Got an idea. All right, mate, go on. I think we need to evolve the podcast. All right, what you got in mind? Well, why don't we just start recording all the chats we have when we're talking about leadership? Okay, what are we going to call it? Sense makers. Sense makers. Love it. And have we got a backer? Of course we have. Tsunami Sport. Quality. When are we starting? Now, get this end round and I'll put kettle on. Top man, I'll be round in five. Oscar is a former professional footballer who has represented many clubs both in England and overseas, including our own Sheffield United, Brentford and Bradford, alongside clubs in Australia, Poland and the Philippines. Ben was also capped at under-20 and under-21 level for Poland, where he played in the 2007 Under-20 World Cup. Ben now runs his own joinery and home improvements firm, running commercial and domestic fit-outs across the UK. Welcome to the show, Ben. It's, uh, it's brilliant to see you again, mate. Hi guys, good to see you again. How are you getting on? Everything well in sunny England? No, mate, it's rubbish. It's <laughs> currently raining. <laughs> no sun here, mate. Standard, isn't it? Standard. Yeah. We um we know we, we're going to talk around uh, the sort of idea of self belief today, and obviously having played football at such an high level, you know you you've done some things that that kids only dream of. Tell us a little bit about when you realised that you might have got the sort of confidence and skill to crack on and be decent at footy. Uh, my my granddad uh, on the English side, he used to play for Sheffield United back in the day, uh, and he obviously stopped because of the war and things like that. And but soon as I fa- soon as I, I had a ball at my feet, I started playing football every bank holiday, every uh, Easter holidays, every summer holidays. I used to get shipped off to Tony Curry soccer schools. Yeah, yeah, and I think it was when Tony Curry. Took a, a shining to me that I don't know. Say I was I was queued up to play with the under under sevens, under eights. He'd always come and look for me and take me to the under tens, under elevens. It might not be just a year above; it might be like two years above. So obviously, that was a big good boost for me uh, that he'd seen something in me that he thought I could deal with the older age groups. You know what I mean? Uh, playing Sunday football. With my mates, we had a really good team. I think about five went to Sheffield Wednesday, a couple went to Leeds, and then I was the only one who went to Sheffield United. And then that was under 13s from then on, never looked back really. It's it's interesting there, Ben, because you talk about there's externals. They said this Tony Curry took a shine. You got moved up, so there must have been some evidence there. Then there's being with a group of people that are also very good and then getting shine from there, where do you think that self-belief comes from? Is it internalised or is it then other people giving you that confidence or is it a massive evidence that you're creating yourself? What does self-belief mean to you? Well, I think you need that You need that support in the background. So my family was very supportive, uh, Never had to ask to be took anywhere. They're always there to make sure that I were there for training, there for the games on time, there for wherever I needed to be, tournaments across the country. So I owe a lot to, like, obviously my family as well for giving me that, that uh, I don't know, support. Uh, it's just, I think I always had that competitiveness 
growing up, if I was in a race, I'd get the nervous feeling before a race. And if I come second, I was very disappointed. Yeah. I always wanted to win. Uh, and that was at everything, not just football, athletics, rugby, badminton, everything. I just had that competitive streak. So if I didn't win, I'd be one of them who I won't, I won't be able to laugh for at least at least a day or two. I'd be going home thinking, "Damn it!" You know what I mean? Like thinking I could get better. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go on next time and and so on. Where did that come from, Ben? Though was that it? Just was in you, or was that like your dad saying, "You know what you." You don't, you don't win today, lad. You're not getting no tea when you get home. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny because we laugh about it now. Like my dad was my biggest critic, and yeah. I didn't really say, say you have fans and you have people on the touchline and things like that. And you might some people. It's all about opinions, and you might get slated through a match, or someone might shout your shit, shit, basically, and all this. But the person that I looked at in the crowd, I figure out where he was sat before I started playing. And I'd look direct at my dad, and he'd either go, <laughs> just give me the nod, or he'd stand there and go. Yeah. Which meant, if yeah. he ever put the thumbs up, meant I were having a good game. If he give me the nod, I were having a stinker. <laughs> so when you know when you when you were moved up these age groups, then so you know, and this is a different life, and it TC yeah, yeah. comes up with the, <laughs> the under nines, and it says, "Hang on a minute, come here, let's get you up to the under 11s, under 12s. For somebody that was a, as competitive as you, you know, you didn't like to lose. You're looking at your dad for approval. Did you rise to that and think, "Brilliant, I've got an opportunity to play against people two or three years older than me," or did you think, "Oh no, there's more chance to fail"? I actually looked at it as a positive. Yeah. So because I was so used to him, and I'm not just saying it, it used to come every every camp, and it and it pulled me out. So there'd be like hundred kids, and he'd come and go. Where's, where's youngster roster? Like, blah, blah, blah. And I'd, I'd be sat there and I'd put my hand up and he'd go, Ben, you're with them. And I wouldn't even have a choice. Tony <laughs> Cummins telling me I'm with the older age group. So I wouldn't say, oh, no, uh, I'd like to stay with these. Do you know what I mean? It'd be just, i get me stuff. And I'd probably have mates at my own at my own age. Yeah. And above, I wouldn't know anyone. Yeah. So it'd be like, All right. <laughs> so I have a sink or a swim. Yeah. But that's probably where I knew that I was a decent player because I'd be playing at my own age group, then I'd go to the older age group, and it could, like I said, it could be a couple of years older, and I'd be holding my own. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't just be holding my own, I'd be one of the better players out of that yeah. age group. So that, that gave me confidence because obviously when, then when I went to the academy, I, I, did, I did it at the academy as well. So I've gone to like an academy in the UK, where all the best players of that age group go, and I'm still getting moved up to play for the older age group. Do you know what I mean? I don't know whether that had something to do with my stature at the time, being a bigger lad, or just, or obviously the culture saw something that I'd be able to cope. So that that self-esteem, that confidence boost, it all it's, it's all connected. Mm. And then it's pushed you on, hasn't it? I, earlier on, Ben said... I was trying to look when I was playing to look for approval from my dad. So I'd, I'd check out where he was sat. And just that word sat, like, that's when you know you've played football at a decent level. If you, <laughs> if you had sat in the crowd yeah. and not standing by the side of the pitch. Um, so oh, you went... mate, I, I could get in the car after the game. Um, if I had a stinker, he wouldn't talk to me for the first 20 minutes of the journey. 
<laughs> and and I'd know. Do you know what I mean? It'd be frosty as in car, freezing. And I, I'd just be there like, oh, right, it's like, yeah, I must have played bad today. It's really interesting that you you would rise to that, isn't it? Because Alan and I have done a lot of work with speaking to kids about what, what they want their parents to do after a game. And a lot of the feedback from yeah. kids is we don't want them to say anything because they're not the manager, they're not the coach. We just want some time to sort of decompress and think about what we've done and let us to start to talk about it. This is from a child's point of view. Yeah. So for you to go in there and know that it's going to be frosty because you've not played well, surely like from a, an external point of view, that could have gone either way. That could You could be absolutely devastated and think, well, I'm not playing football again. What's the point? Or why is my dad mad at me? But yeah. it seemed that you took that as motivation and actually that was something that was really positive for you. It was the right thing to do. Well, I think it just gave me that extra, extra push because... Yeah, obviously my coaches, I want to play well because obviously it's been highlighted if I play well or if I play bad, it's part of my progression and stuff like that and moving up, moving down. But I always thought, honestly, I'm not just saying it. After a game, I thought, I've got to get back in that car now if I had a bad game or oh, I'd be buzzing if I had a good game because that would mean, oh, it's an easy ride home. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it'll be in a good mood for the weekend. It were, obviously, it weren't bad as in... It won't like the first twenty minutes, but yeah. it was it, it was it was pressure, and there were nothing better than my, than seeing my dad go like that. Yeah, big thumbs up. You know what I mean? Because obviously your parents are your biggest critic, and my dad did everything for me. Yeah. So that was that. So, so you've got this bit of confidence. You, you're playing with the teams that are a few year groups further up than you are. And then you've joined the academy at under 13. Talk, talk us through your time at Sheffield United Academy. You were there till your early 20s, weren't you? To be fair, I was I was there quite a while as a pro without actually playing a proper uh, first-team league game. Mm. Uh, I was there about five years as a pro. Well, four and a half years as a pro. Five years. So I got shipped out on loan a lot. Uh, it, it was It was... I had good times. I had bad times. Like anyone does, I went through the rough uh, with the smooth. And I think there was a time when, uh, 2004, I think it was, we went to the World Cup in Northern Ireland. And that's, if if if, if you know in football, everybody knows the Milk Cup. It's one of the most prestigious tournaments in, in the world, not just the UK. And you have to play with the tournaments like Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs, Joe Cole, like all the big hitters that have then gone on to like made it as absolute super football superstars well I had an unbelievable tournament playing for Sheffield United in the 17s uh, Scott Sellers and Kevin Fogg were the, the coaches at, the, at that time and I got some phone well I didn't get a phone call actually they surprised me so we went to this uh, ceremony at the end of the tournament and there's international sides going on as well so there's an international tournament, then there's a club tournament, and Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester United, everyone's there. Everyone who you know is there. And uh, go to this ceremony, all the lads go, and Kevin Falk just pulls me to one side and says, uh, come on, Ben, we've just got to go around here. We've got to come with me. Like They, they want to see us. So I'm thinking, me? Why is, what, what, what's happening? So we go... Next thing, ceremony's going on, player of the tournament. All of a sudden, player of the tournament for the Milk Cup, uh, under-17 age group, blah, blah, Sheffield United, Ben Starosta, so I'm like that. 
<laughs> so, 2004, I actually got the player of the tournament and the milk cup. So that rate, I got so they, they no one could believe it. It's like a prestigious tournament. I get a phone call from uh, Kevin McCabe's son, Simon. Everyone from Sheffield United, like, that's brilliant, Ben. Like, well done, congratulations, and all this. Parades it around Bramall Lane, uh, my, my trophy. Like, it's meant. I go. To, I went to sleep with that trophy for about a year and a half. Honestly, it was massive. And then from then on, I thought, right, this is it. This is me. This like I'm going to kick on. I scored I, every, that pre-season. I think I scored four goals in the tournament from centre midfield. I think I was only one shy from leading goal scorer. Uh, from then on, in pre-season, I scored every game. So my name was getting touted out from for being like a, a midfield goal scorer. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I was playing in. I was only under seventeen, but I was playing with like the so first team. I have a first team eleven, and then the first out going doing preseason with like the first team eleven, not the first, the, the, but the big bigger squad. And uh, I was loving life. Yeah. And then the season started. They didn't score all season. I don't think. So I've gone from scoring every game like nearly 16 goals in pre-season to not scoring a, a, like one goal throughout <laughs> the whole campaign. So that was that was like a tough, a tough year for me, that one, because I'd gone from player of the tournament in the Milk Cup, scoring all them goals, big build-up, this is my breakthrough season, to then all of a sudden not scoring throughout the campaign and the pressure was on, you know what I mean? What did that it do like, to your self-belief, Ben? <clears throat> to be honest, to myself, I just carried on. I just thought, in my head, I was thinking, what's going off? Like, why, why aren't they dropping? And I think it was only the year after where I had a change of position right back. So I went from right-wing centre midfielder to being pushed right back. And I and I was I always thought of myself as like an attacking, attacking player. I was known for crossing, like my crossing, running with the ball and crossing while on the move. That was my best attribute, and I was known for that. And then all of a sudden, to be moved to right back, a defensive position in my mind at the time, it was like a bit of a kick in the teeth. I thought, well, I'm not going to be able to get forward anymore. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to do that. But I was also known as the fittest at the club. Like on the bleep test, everyone used to cane me for being busy. Because <laughs> I didn't, didn't mean to be busy. I just kept running. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'd stay in till like the, 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 the tape ended. And people would be like, so I can say it now because I'm, I'm retired. But sometimes we'd be going out on a on a Tuesday night with old lads, you team. And not thinking that we're not we might end up turning up on the Wednesday and then they'd have, either get a sniff that we went out or just do it because it was middle of the week and we're supposed to have a day off. But they put the bleep test on. <laughs> oh lads were like, oh my god, no way. So with that bleep test, well I'd have been out same 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 amount of time as them lot. But I obviously they used to say I had three lungs. So I'd stay in till till tape ended. And some of lads would be good at toilet, spewing up. And I'd be there like, what's up, lads? <laughs> How'd you do it? You were out with us. Yeah. 
you know what I mean? But that it was, I, I don't, I can't, I can't explain that. I think that just come natural. But yeah, it was just, it was just one of them. <laughs> what what reinforcement are you getting? I'm thinking, um, Neil Warnock's the manager. Then is is it just before Warnock's time? What what reinforcement are you getting from from the management and the you know the team that you're playing in, and also the first team's management about how you're doing? Uh, you know, you've not scored for a year. You've moved to a position that, you know, at that time for Sheffield United was Alan Wright's time, wasn't it? It was get it out of your feet and bang it in the channel and don't yeah. do much else as a fullback. To be fair, there was uh, there were a couple of coaches at Sheffield United at the time, uh, Mick Jones, hmm. who were like known as Neil Warnock's ears and eyes. Didn't really coach much, but he used to walk around with like a silence about him around the train ground, watching. Uh, analysing and then obviously he used to relay stuff back to the gaffer Neil Warnock uh, Stuart McCall there were Brian Kidd Brian Kidd took a liking to me so when I was younger and obviously first team was a couple of men a couple of like players down Brian Kidd always used to call for me say right get Ben up here get Ben up here do you know what I mean so that was another coach that took a shine to me uh, that helped me a little bit progress because obviously every time I got called up to the first team, I was in the in the gaffer's eyes. Uh, and I think Mick Jones helped me a lot because he made the Polish FA aware that I qualified to play for Poland. Uh, I think he sent a letter in, and they obviously they, I think they were Tom were keeping tabs on me since the Milk Cup. But obviously, because of the year after the Milk Cup, I had a little bit of a quiet season, as we've just discussed. I don't think I ever got the call the year after, but it came sure enough. And then from then on, I got the call up. That's when I got my new contract. So just before the call up, it was a bit like that, whether I was getting the new contract. I actually, uh, I actually threatened to leave. I come in, there was offering me some silly money rubbish money really for the age that I was at the time and I was in the Premier League and I think they were just trying it on a little bit so I can remember going in the office to Ron Reid and just saying Ron how do I go about leaving because I think I'm worth more I'd rather take the risk of going to the World Cup as a free agent and probably hopefully getting picked up anyway you can't leave you can't leave I said well they're offering me stupid money. Nothing's getting sorted. And at this time, I was actually... Uh, I actually had Neil Warnock's son as my agent. <laughs> I, I actually had James Warnock as my agent. And he didn't know anything about this. So I thought, right, I'm going to take it into my own hands. So I went into Ron's office, like I just said, I said, I want to leave. He said, you can't leave, you can't leave. So then he got on the phone to Mick Jones, who was close to the gaffer. He got onto the gaffer. Next thing, I've got a phone call. Right, Come down and see me. I want to see you. So I went round to uh, see the gaffer. And he's talking to me. Right, what do you want? What do you want? So I'm saying, I've gone, boom. And he's, <laughs> look, he's just looked to me and gone, basically, are you pissed? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, basically, so basically, we come to like some sort of halfway point. I were happy because it were a lot more than what I'd originally got. James Warnock still didn't know anything about this, but he was a gaffer's son. <laughs> uh, 
Terry Robinson said, right, get your ass down here, because obviously each chairman and he deals with all the negotiation and money and stuff. So I went down, I'm sat with Terry Robinson, and Terry Robinson is great. He's, a, he's an absolute, he's like more like, you love him more, but he's like, he's an absolute character. And I, I got on I got on really well with him. And uh, I went down and he said, how the fuck have you managed to get this? I said, well, I just thought that Gaffer, I think I deserve it. So then uh, I knew I was already playing for Poland and going to be playing in the World Cup. So I said, Terry, any chance for signing on for you? He said, are you techie piss? <laughs> so, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put these appearance money, I'll put these appearance uh, targets in for you. So it was something like, I don't know, I said three grand for an, uh, every under 20 appearance, four and a half grand for under 21, and five grand for every full international appearance. So I said, yep, no problem, Terry. I said, I suppose I'll take that. Knowing full well that I was getting called <laughs> up to the training World Cup and I was playing the first four games. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm walking off with me right now. Get out of my office. So I signed a new two-year contract. Think, so I've come home. It's more richest I've ever been. Richest I've ever been at 19 year old coming back from World Cup. I didn't know what to do with it. So that's brilliant. Oh, I, I, I love that. So I messaged Donna, who's checking out the secretary, saying, "Donna, I've played all four games. Can you just make sure that I've got me uh, a parents money in there?" Blah blah blah. <laughs> So, so you've just negotiated yourself the best contract that you, you've ever had. Maybe oh. not as high as you walked in for, but you know, yeah. again, you've got to have some, uh, some, something about you and a bit of confidence to be going in and asking for big money off the back of what you've admitted yourself wasn't the greatest year. Yeah. And just before you go in, I think was it the under twenty World Cup? Was that two thousand and seven World Cup in Canada? Yeah. Yeah. Well, just before that, there were, there were a year in between that. Uh, I actually kicked on and right. made that right back position my own and. We're doing really well. Uh, that were leading up into the World Cup, but yeah. So, but just before that, I, I got given. I think I had ten ten days off just before the World Cup. And me and Ian Ross uh, at the time were Chef United. We uh, had a little break and we just went to Benidorm <laughs> just for just for like shits and giggles. Went to Benidorm, and uh, as I'm there, James Warnock called me up. And he still didn't know about anything about it. And he, he rings me up and he says, Ben, he says, uh, what, what's crack? What's crack? Where are you? He says, I've got Chester uh, wanting you. And I've got Darlington, who, who's interested in you, and Swin and all this. I said, James, I says, you not speak to your dad? He says, no, why, why? He says, I've just signed a two-year two deal, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so he's there like, have you? I says, yeah, I says, don't worry about it, mate. I says, I'm on holiday now, then I'll be off to World Cup. I'll see you in a bit, pal. <laughs> oh, my God. So you've, had, you've been brave enough to have an half-decent season, go to the manager of the first team's office and negotiate your own contract without telling his agent yeah. who's the manager's son. <laughs> and then yeah. go on holiday for 10 days. And what, what better preparation for under-20 World Cup than going to Benidorm with your mate? <laughs> Tell us about yeah. that trip. Was that good preparation? Unbelievable, unbelievable scenes, are they? <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. Oh, oh. Tell, tell oh. us about that World Cup then, that under-20 uh, under World Cup in Canada, because you're suddenly then going from, from Sheffield United, it's it's going to be a step up in Europe against Argentina, Brazil and all these 
these big names. That must take an incredible amount of self-belief. I'm presuming that you're the, probably the only UK-based player in that Polish squad. Is that right? I was, yeah. How, did, um, how was that? It, that, was, that was tough, to be honest, at the beginning, because I, I'm turning up to this Polish squad. I can't speak Polish. <laughs> the, guy, the guys, obviously, they know that the World Cup's coming and the squad's going to be announced, and I'm coming there to take someone's place. And I can't even speak their language. So... There was a little bit of animosity, a bit of jealousy in there. Uh, but it's like anything. I, I threw myself into it all heartedly, 100%. And eventually the, the guys would become a close-knit team. There was a, a couple of guys, Bartosz Bielkowski, he plays for Millwall at the minute, still in the in the net. He was our keeper at the time. Yaroslav Foyu, he played for Bolton at the time. Uh, Thomas Sifka, he played for Wigan. So there was a, quite a few lads who did speak English and put an arm around me and like took me on board and made me very welcome and stuff. But I just believed that I was coming from Sheffield United. Uh, at the time, they'd just come down from Premier League, so they were a Premier League club, and I believed that I was uh, my right to be there. Do you know what I mean? And obviously from the training camps, I, I, I fit in straight away. So we turned up to this... I got, I got obviously got announced in the squad. We turned up and was playing Brazil oh. the first game. And Brazil had, I, I, oh, it's only now that I look back and realise even more some of the players that were playing. Like at the time, I didn't recognise them, but obviously because we've moved on and the years have gone by, some of them have gone on to be really big, like big name players. Like your David Luiz, your Thiago Silva, your Joe, your Lucas, who played for Liverpool. Do you know Marcelo, left back for Real Madrid? So you like were up against Marcelo, Ben? Yeah, Pato. <laughs> Pato, left winger. Alexander Pato. I think I've still got him in my pocket, actually. I <laughs> so, no, but we, we played there, 64,000 fans, first game of the World Cup. We were live. And this was in Montreal. And in Canada, there's a lot of Polish population. So it felt like we were playing at home. You know what I mean? It was just full of like red and white, Polish. So we had a right following. And uh, so we're playing. First 24 minutes, we had a man sent off. Uh, Kroll, left back. Couldn't believe it. I thought, right, so we're playing Brazil. This is all we need. We've got like another 80 or 80 minutes. With ten men. So next thing, uh, Gregor Kukrovyak, who played for PSG, Sevilla, and all that, he stepped up for us and bent a free kick in from like thirty yards. One of the best free kicks I've seen. We've gone wild, one nil up, and we've held on. We've won Brazil, one nil. First time Poland's ever beat them in a competitive competition, and we've done it. So there were parties back home, celebrations back home. Everyone's going mad. There's clips of us running on pitch. But I've just burst into tears like, because I'm just a normal lad from down to earth lad from Sheffield. I can't <laughs> believe where I am. Like I've just beat Brazil. Do you know what I mean? I've got I'm playing against Pato and Marcel. Like, I got I got the man of the match. <laughs> My first like competitive game for Poland, and I just burst into tears. I went and up to my, I went and up to uh, my dad, my stepmom in the crowd, and I couldn't control myself. 
You know what I mean? Emotions just got like got hold of me. I hope the first twenty minutes of that car journey afterwards. <laughs> 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 oh, I was celebrating too much. I didn't even, I didn't even get time to have a chat to until later on that night. But I'll tell you a funny, I'll tell you a funny story just before that World Cup. Yeah. So we're in the tunnel. Brazil's Brazil's down one one end. Poland's queuing up down down the other, and the referee comes walking out, and it's Howard Webb. <laughs> yeah, the, from Sheffield. Please. Yeah. So, so my stepdad at the time is an ex copper. And he said, and he said, hey, if you see Howard Webb, tell him Pat Bailey said, all right, like we grew up with each other and his dad and that. So, <laughs> true enough, Howard Webb's referee in his first game. So I've gone, now nah, then, Howard, how you doing, Paul? Uh, Pat Bailey says he's a guy. So we turn around thinking. So I've got Brazil there who speaks like Brazilian, fine. And I've got Poland there who speak Polish. And, now, and then I've got someone shouting, now nah, then, Howard. <laughs> <laughs> Who the chuffing hell's that? <laughs> so it's it turned around and I've gone, all right, I heard Pat Bailey says he's got like So he's looked at me, gone out, he's thinking, what on earth's going on in here? So then throughout all game, he's come to me every time. Ben, can you have a word with uh, such and such? Ben, can you have a word with such and such? Ben, you're thinking I speak Polish, by the way. <laughs> So every time he's got it, I've just gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that that were a laugh. Just the confidence that you've got there. You just you you're the captain of Poland under twenties. It's your first competitive game for them. You're playing against Brazil, and you're in the tunnel, and you've remembered that your stepdad just happened to mention <laughs> that if you see Howard Webb, say hello for him from me, and you've gone up and done it. Like oh, how funny. many how many people would actually do that? You know you. You watch these clips, don't you, of your Patrick Vieiras and your Roy Keynes and your Gary Nevilles in the in the tunnel, and there's just a stern stare forward, and it's game time, and off they go. And I'd love to see what that story <laughs> you just described at the side of that is. Not if you're Ben Staroster, a up Howard. Remember <laughs> Pat Bailey says hello. Yeah. Outstanding, mate. Brilliant. But do you know what? I've always been known as a, like a little bit of a character. Do you know? So that's just me. I think that's how I deal with my nerves. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Get it out there before someone can, do you know what I mean? Put me down or take the piss anyway. Do you know? It's just one of them. Yeah, and it, 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 it's a connection, isn't it? it it's, it, it, I'm, I'm sure that in some ways that helped Howard Webb as well, knowing that he had somebody who he could speak to really easily on his team. And you just knowing that the ref knew who you were. Like, th there's obviously yeah. an intentionality behind what you were doing. I, I'm only being blase when I'm saying, you yeah. know, you just, you just, you just sort of throwing it out there as a laugh, but. It does. It helps to create that atmosphere, doesn't it? Where it, it creates a connection and an opportunity for you to get to know someone that then essentially makes that next 90 minutes a touch easier, doesn't it? Well, not really, no, because you sent our left back off after 24. <laughs> so. But that, that's the thing, weren't yeah, you? Yeah. You heard about, <laughs> yeah. about John Terry and Lampard. Or they, they would call ref by their name and ask how their kids yeah. are. And it was a deliberate advantage that they were trying to gain. Whereas you've just done that because you've just been Ben and you've been authentic. Yeah. yeah. Well, he didn't like the fact that I called him a knob straight after he said, now let's back off. But... <laughs> he understood that, though, didn't he? he understood. But I, think he would, I think he understood it and forgive me after, because he came up to me after the game and went, man, I can't believe it. Well played, mate, and congratulated me and so, and so on. So, yeah, the World Cup was the best experience of my life. Yeah. Like, just being part of that group, being part of that. We had a really... we Before the tournament, our group was called the Group of Death. 
Like, we had a really strong group. The game after, I think we lost to USA, like, I think it was 5-1. Because we were that emotionally drained from the first <laughs> game. Like, playing 80 minutes with 10 men beating Brazil, I think... I think we still were, we still we still didn't we still didn't come down from it, you know. Yeah. And we were just, I think we just got overwhelmed, and we're actually winning the game one 0 and then we just, I think Freddie Adu scored that. Freddie Adu scored four goals. I remember at time, Fred, signed him on yeah. chat manager a few times. Well, yeah, at, at that time, Freddie Adu was supposed to be like the next big thing, and on that game, he were, he were unbelievable, he were unplayable, yeah. uh, and then. We needed a, we needed a, at least a point in the last game against South Korea, uh, and we got it. It was a tense game, but we got it, and we got we got through to the knockout stages. So then we moved to Toronto, and again, big Polish population there. So it was like being at home. We were like superstars for the three and a half week that we were there, mm. and uh, we eventually played Argentina again. I think I played against a, a left winger. I don't know whether you've heard him, Angel Di Maria. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it, in Aguero played up top. My gosh! And it was just it was just unreal. Ever Benega in centre midfield, in Sua left back. It was crazy. Sergio Romero in net. Wow! And then they eventually went on to win it. We're winning one 0 again on that match. Uh, and just before half time, they scored an equaliser, which was guttering because we were actually like keeping us own. And we thought, if we can get in here at 1 0, we've got a right chance. And they scored just before half time, went, went in 1 1. And then we come out for second half, right? As we're in this, got a right chance, blah, blah. And then we come out and Sergio Aguero scored after 46 minutes. Wow. So it, it just, it, it, like Paul Gascoigne's goal, you know, where he flicked it over the head uh, against oh. Scotland. And I just stood there, me, and I was like, <laughs> "Give him a clap." And I was playing, uh, but and then we went for it towards the end, and I think they scored on counter attack in, in stoppage time, three what lost three one. But it was a great experience. I'll never, I'll never forget it. No. We so come you, back from, we come back from Poland there, and we were like superstars back in Poland. You know, like for that under twenty team that we was in. Yeah. We still talk about it now because they've never done as well before in a competitive tournament. So did you manage never to get? Did you manage to get to Poland then after after your uh, your tournament in Canada? Did you get Did you get over to Poland and see some of this or or hear some of this from the fans? I didn't. I caught a plane straight back from Canada, straight back to uh, UK yeah. at the time. Uh, but obviously, a year later, I went on loan. Yeah. To Leki Gdansk, yeah. and that, that that were unbelievable. Tell us a bit I, about that. I, I think I can recall a couple of these when we've had conversations before. Yeah, well, a year before that, I went on loan to Brad, uh, Brentford and Bradford. But when I went to Leki Gdansk, it was on transfer deadline day, and uh, I got a phone call saying, "Oh, we've got a phone call. Leki Gdansk are interested in you coming on loan." I didn't know, I'll be honest, I didn't know too much about the Polish league before that. And uh, I thought, ask. But some, I, I spoke to a few people over there and over here and said, look, it'll be good for you. Leo Binakru, the national team coach, I got told that he was considering me not for the under-23s, but straight to the full national team. 
and we had a few chats over in, in Canada because he came and he, he obviously spoke English and he speak Polish, so we had a little bit in common. So we used to have a few chats. I said to my dad, I said, Dad, will you come over with me? Like, because it's my dad's family that's Polish. I said, Dad, will you come over with me? Like, and uh, just like settle me in, like just come as like a chaperone. Went, yeah, I'll come with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm not kidding. We turned up off the plane. There was 40 journalists, three <laughs> camera crews. Like, me and my dad looked at each other going, what the is happening here? Like, honest, I got chauffeured into a car, got took back to this, like, clubhouse, and I got presented, like, transfer deadline day deal, Ben Sorosta coming from Sheffield United, but it was surreal. Couldn't believe it. It was unbelievable. That was, like, an experience I'll never forget. So I was like... I, I didn't think I was anyone at the time. I just thought I was still like then Sebastian Sheffield United, like first team squad, whatever. Not played a game. Go to Glecky Dance, and I'm actually like someone. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm like, what did that do for you in terms of your coming back to Southwark again? Did, what does that do for your confidence when you see that and you turn up and that happens? Oh, it was unreal. <laughs> it was unreal for six months. I thought I was like Ronaldo. <laughs> but does that put pressure on you? Do, do you feel an expectation and a weight of of sort of demand there, or, or does it have the opposite opposite effect? Are you just buzzing and you're oh, hundred percent. So, so I went there, did all the stuff, media stuff, and everything like that. Got presented. I'm walking through the changing room, and people are like, "Oh man, that like all the Polish players, man, they like it." So I'm like. Are you all right, yeah. They, they didn't rush me into the first game. They, they, I trained for a full week first, like to get up to their speed because they just had a break. They had their winter break or summer break. I can't remember which one it was. Went in, and the first my first game was against Arkigadinya, which is their biggest rival. Like their hatred is off off the scale. Yeah, United on Wednesday. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's honestly it's it's scary. So our first game were there, but it was in the cup. And they weren't playing the full, like, first team. They were, they were, it was like a, I don't know, local cup or whatever. So they said, Ben, we want you to play in this, get your fitness up. Then we've got another game against Arca Gdynia again, but in the league. So I'm like, all right, no worries. We lost 1-0. And I think, I can remember I tried to cut inside and I think they got, I got the ball nicked away. This were in there off. Got the ball nicked away and they went on counter-attack and scored. So I was thinking, this is a right start, this Ben. Unbelievable. <laughs> so lads were a bit like, oh, God, I couldn't really understand what, but I can. I got the gist that they just lost against the biggest rival, 1-0, and I'd give, I'd give the ball away in other end, but they still managed to run other side of the pitch and score. So I thought, shit, that's not the best start, that. I need to, like, redeem myself here. Both talking getting you away, and our fans had to boycott it because there was too much hype about it, too much trouble going to be kicked off. So our fans weren't allowed in the stadium. So we went on a cold, misty night, and we won one 0 First time Gdanska's like because we got promoted into extra class of that season. First time Gdanska's ever like beat them in sixty-two years away at their ground. Unbelievable. I didn't even know what to expect, how big it was, until we got back to our ground, Gdansk, early hours of the morning, like half past 12, one o'clock in the morning. 14,000 fans waiting for us with flares, 
flags, <laughs> champagne. We got crowd surfed off the coach. <laughs> it, and I was only like 20 years old at the time. I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> and that's when I told the story about a big hooligan just coming in the changing room with gold teeth, scar on the back of his head. I'm sat there thinking, who's this guy here? <laughs> and he's come on and gone, oh, man, then. And then he's just saying, you learn Polish. Like, oh, no, it's my, yeah, 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 I will tomorrow. I'll get, get on it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that was another, another wild experience, but a great experience. Unbelievable atmosphere. Who's that, then, that's come into the changing rooms? Some hooligan, isn't it? So the biggest Polish hooligan could dance like main man. Right, and even security guards just went. There you go. Like, get yourself in. In, right. England, in England, it wouldn't even be like think of would it. The local hooligan just walk straight in changing room to like shake Ronaldo's hand <laughs> or someone's hand. Do you know what I mean? You won't, won't get nowhere near. This guy's just walked in, just just beat Arkegadinia, and he's like picking us all up, shaking us all like crazy. So, so, so Ben, that that's. Was that a high point then in your career? You've had the World Cup, you've gone to Poland and you've played there. Tell us the journey then, because obviously we then met a few years down the line in the Philippines. And tell us the process towards getting there and, and how that ended up. And I know it's a crazy story of how that happened. Well, from then on, come back. I think I come back with a niggle. I didn't get paid by... I didn't get... I, I weren't getting paid on time in Poland. So... <laughs> Even being mates with the hooligan, you can... <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get paid. I couldn't even couldn't even have a word with him to try and get the money. I just couldn't get paid in time. So Sheffield United, Terry Robbins sent sent an email across, like saying, "Look, if you don't pay him, we're going to take you to." But it were it were rife in Poland at that point, right. like not getting paid on time, not getting inside. So I didn't stay. They wanted me to stay for the full season, and I didn't stay because of that reason. I just thought, I "Can't can't be doing with this." So I come home and I had a bit of a niggle. Anyway, that I needed to get sorted. That that end of that season, that's when my contract ran out at Sheffield United, and uh, I went up to, I got the phone. I, the last two two weeks of that season, I got a phone call from Eddie Howe. Wanted me to go down to Bournemouth. Well, I had I've got family in Bournemouth, so for me, I was like, yeah, perfect. It'd be like home from home. Went down. Loved it, absolutely loved it. Obviously, you can see from Newcastle now what he likes to do is create like a tight knit yeah. atmosphere and team, and it's all about bonding and stuff like that. And he he only brings in the right people, characters and stuff. Well, I've gone down and I knew a few a few people down there anyway, and we got on like an house on fire. He loved the fact that I already had family down there, so it wouldn't have been a big transition and stuff like that. But at this point, they still had a transfer uh, embargo on them because they had. Obviously, if you can remember, Bournemouth dropped right down. Yeah, they nearly went out of existence. To come on their way back up. Mm. So that was that. I had a meeting with him. He said, look, Ben, we want to really interest you. We really want to sign you. How do you feel about it? I said, look, I want to be here. This is where I want to be. He said, right, brilliant. So I didn't go back to Sheffield United. I ended up just staying down. I asked him, can I just stay down there? I said, yeah, no problem. Stay down there. And that were it until the end of the season. During pre-season, I get a phone call from my agent and from uh, Colin Todd at Darlington. So I goes up to Darlington to see what it's about because I found out he, he wanted to sign me back in day for Bradford. Goes and meets him. Within half an hour, I find out he wants to offer me a three-year deal. My dad's there, my agent's there. He says, but you've got 
an hour to decide because I've got other people I need to build this squad. He says, you've got an hour to decide. So I was in the car park. I'm thinking, oh, I love, I love Bournemouth, though. I love Bournemouth. But Bournemouth are in a transfer embargo, and I don't know when I'll be able to sign on the dotted line. It could be two weeks into the season. It could be a month into the season. So I'm there with my agent. They're offering me good, quite good money. Three-year deal. Three-year deals are hard to come by. Yeah. So uh, I said, stuff it. I'll go and sign. So he's got my dad in. He says, look, we'll take good care of him. We'll look after him. I promise you, shut my dad's hand and stuff like that. That were it. But that, but also, Darlington were in, coming out of administration. They've got a new takeover. So I had to sign a pre-agreement. So we went in. And Darlington have got a big stadium at the time. And it's a nice place to like play. So I thought, good stadium, good manager. He really wants me that start. Goes back pre-season, plays every pre-season game. Uh, looking like I'm in the starting eleven, gets a phone call or get can you come into come in to see us week before the season? Pulls me in, plus another three players who were on decent money who was dropped down and played for Darlington. We're gonna have to let you go. I'm like, what do you mean let me go? He went, we're gonna have to let you go. Financial reasons, we can't justify it. Uh, we haven't come out of administration yet. Well, well, we're gonna have to let you go. Plus, we're gonna have to let you go. I says I've signed a pre-agreement. He went, yeah, but we've looked into it, and there's nothing really much that, that you can do with it. Well, well. So obviously, I, I didn't even argue. I didn't even argue. I says, right, fair enough, no problem. Walked out the office. I ran my agent, told my agent, but they can't do that. They can't do that. I said, well, they've just done it. I said. I'm going to, that's it, I'll leave it with me, leave it with me. At that point, I thought, what has just happened? You know what I mean? At the time, I was living with a family in uh, Artlepool who put me up. I can remember going back to them going, they've just got, they've just got rid of me. What do you mean got rid of you? They've just got, just, just like cancelled, cancelled as pre-agreements. So I had to say bye, I got right close with them, I had to say bye to them and, I remember driving back down M1 and I'm thinking, what has just happened here? The agent contacts me as I'm going down saying, Paul Buckle wants you down at Torquay. So I knew Torquay offered me a three-year deal just the previous year. I said, don't come on, we want to sign permanently. And at the time, they were in conference, but they just got promoted to League Two. So I said, all right, I'll come down. I played in a game against Derby. And uh, we couldn't agree the money. That, that we want in because Torquay is expensive and it's other side of the world compared to Sheffield. <laughs> so he says, I can't, Ben, I've already got a player on, on that. I says, I can't have two players, two right backs on the same money. I said, there's got to be some give and take. Blah, blah. I said, yeah, but who's going to be the starting right back? He said, you. I said, so why am I going to sign for less than the <laughs> right back that's going to be on less, like, more than me? You know what I mean? It was just one of them. He said, right, we can't do it then. That's it. We can't do it. So at this point, I'm thinking, what is happening with my luck here? Like, I must have run over a black cat or something. Like, what's happening? So, again, I get a phone call from MLS, Chicago Fire. Said, right then. Because they had a big uh, Polish population. They wanted me to go over to Chicago to be like this bring the Polish fans in through the door and be the, like the Polish ambassador, ambassador of the club or whatever. So I said, it's got MLS. It weren't big at the time. It was just growing. 
I said, all right. He said, when can you get out of here? We want you out of here in the next few days. The player's moving. So we've got an international slot, red visa slot ready for you, and you'll take his position. So I went, I can get out there as soon as possible. So they sent me the flights. I went out to Chicago. Great facilities, some of the best facilities I've seen. They put me up in this old hotel, downtown Chicago. Like, great. So I'm training with the club. They've got me my kit. I've even got my own number. I said, right, as soon as this guy's gone, that's your number, that's your kit. We'll sign you on the dark line as soon as this guy's gone. We've agreed the uh, salary and everything. I was basically going to take his, his slot. This guy's gone to France. He's failed his medical. <laughs> So I've gone from Darlington, <laughs> Turkey, to Chicago Fire, <laughs> to then this guy's failed his medical. So I'm left iron dry again in space of, well, this is all in space of like one month. Wow. He said, turned around and said, we're so sorry. We're not like, he's got his injuries. There's nothing we can do. He has three, they give me about $3,000. Me troubles because they must have felt that bad. So they have a two week holiday. So I was there in Chicago having all, having my head had gone. Yeah. So I must have gone out every night in that two in them two weeks. Just like so you, you've gone, you've gone from just about signing for Bournemouth where you feel like you belong, you've got family there, you love yeah. what I was doing. You've gone up to Darlington and had your head turned on a three year deal, which makes perfect yeah. sense, doesn't it? You've then got let down there right at the last minute. Cut ties there, gone to Torquay. Torquay can't agree on the money, so you've gone to the MLS in Chicago and you've ended up out on the piss in Chicago because you've already yes. there. Like, how do you get your head around that? That is unbelievable. Yeah, but the thing, the thing is, people don't realize, people will just go, ah, he's got released from that. Oh, he's got released from that. Oh, he's got. No one knows the. You know what I mean? No one knows the inside stories yeah. of what actually happened. Like, and you're just a human being, Ben, with feelings. And coming back to self-belief, what does that do to you then? Yeah. What does that do when you, you've got almost... You haven't been rejected, oh. but you have, haven't you, to a certain extent, but they can't afford you or there's someone else. Circumstances happen. What does that do to you then? I, I, that, that was probably the lowest point for me. Because I was like, right, how do I get back into it now? Oh. All the coaches have got all the squads. Yeah. All the all the all the budgets have been taken. Like, how am I going to get back into that that merry-go-round? Now, how am I going to get back into yeah. that? Like, my head actually went. Yeah. I can remember one of my mates had his. Uh, it was his fortieth birthday, and at the time, I was flush from getting all my appearance money from World Cup, so. Booked on. I think I went for a, to a beefer for two days. <laughs> like just booked on because my head had gone that much. I thought, right, I need to need to let my hair down. Yeah. So I just booked on his at 40 if I went to a beef for two. I can remember just going to a beef for two days. And this is a professional football. This is a this is a top level athlete. And yeah. And you've got and, no uh, how old are you at this point, Ben? What 20, 23, 24? 21. Now I'm only 21, I think. Oh 20, wow. 22. No, I'll be 22. 22. 22, yeah. So, and, so what, uh, then, what then after Ibiza? What, what was the next part? So then I went to Australia, which which probably is my biggest mistake. Everyone who I met in Australia were unbelievable. Like To yeah. me, they looked after me. They were great. Uh, the guy who got me to Australia were great. The guy who then I lived, Dougie Hodgson, 
yeah. played for Sheffield United. I ended up living with him out there. Him, him and his wife, Kath, they were unbelievable with me. Like, moved me in, looked after me, fed me. I'll never forget that. Like, but when I went, it was, I don't know, it was, it, it weren't what I thought it was going to be. Like, I thought I was going to go to the A League or, you know, kick yeah. on from there, playing the A League. So, and the standard just wasn't, it wasn't there. Right. It, 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 I basically moved out there, and which I shouldn't have. It a big, big regret for me. And then I got forgot about back here. You know what yeah. I mean? I should have probably stayed here and grind it out. Instead, I wanted just to play football, no yeah. matter where it were. And Australia got pinged up to me, and I just went. I just went for it. Yeah. And you almost and, you almost punished it as a result. You're just a young man. Exactly. Yeah. Who wants to play football, but rather than you know, listen to maybe some advice of stay put, work your way back in in England. You've gone and took an opportunity that sounds exciting and it's worked against you. Yeah. Whereas, obviously, later on, if I, if, I don't know, say my early 30s, late 30s, I got that opportunity, then it's a perfect yeah. opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I might, yeah. Have, I might have stayed out there and emigrated out there. And, do you know what I mean? But it, it, it was a long time. I kicked myself because I should have just stayed around in in people's eyes, in people's yeah. ears, do you know what I mean? Just batting it away. And it was something probably would have come up eventually, but it was just one of them. I, I either sat there waiting or I just went and carried on trying to play. So so again, though, the self-belief comes in where you were too good for that league. You had that in you to think, that's I'm too good for that. And then you make that brave decision then. What was next then from there? You're too good for that. What happens then? From there, I come home, uh, but I come home. Their league finishes in, I think it was March, April time. I come home, and I actually went down to Chris Wilder's Oxford United. Mm. Uh, he, he asked me down there because we've got quite a few mutual friends in Sheffield. Uh, I think they had a word. I went down to Chris Wilder's Oxford United. I trained, and he was he, he was keen. He he sat me down because he doesn't speak no. He don't beat around the bush either. Do you know what I mean? It's from Sheffield like me. So he sat me down and went, look, Ben. He says, we've got mutual friends. He went, what the crack? And I just sat there and I told him, I said, look, uh, Chris, I said, I just need to get back into, I just need that foot uh, back in through the door. Uh, and is what it is. And I said, I, I, I've, I've made some bad decisions, some on my part. I've had a bit of bad luck. I said, I just need that foot through the door. He went, look, I says, I can't do anything now. I says, but I want you back here pre-season. Uh, I said, that's fine. No problem at all. As long as I know that I've got the opportunity in pre-season, I can plan and I can get myself up, up to speed. And that says, yeah, get yourself back here pre-season. So that was it. I've missed a large chunk out like, because I went to Paul before that moment. <laughs> uh, and then from from then on, I didn't go, I didn't go back to Oxford. Because I got a phone call saying you come to Philippines. Yeah. And then that's how I ended up in Philippines. And I always something that I always wanted to do, Philippines. I always well not for I didn't I didn't imagine Philippines, but I wanted to do Thailand and because it was becoming quite it was becoming quite big and a lot of players were moving over to Thailand and Southeast Asia and stuff. Got the phone call from Philippines, never really knew much about the Philippines before I went out there, I spoke to a few mates who'd gone on business out there and they were like, Philippines, oh, what that one of them who's never really travelled much and went to Philippines and 
to be honest, Philippines is probably one of the favourite places where I not just not for the not just for the football, but for the all round <laughs> Yeah, the lifestyle. The lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, all I really did was train in the morning and play golf and socialise with other expats and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How long are you in the Philippines for, Ben? I think I was there just nearly two, under nearly two years. And you went when? Your late 20s when you were there, early 30s? Late 20s, yeah. So at that point, I mean, that's where we all ended up meeting up there and, and having some good times there. But few, few, few mojitos and Murray's about <laughs> it, I remember. But, but again, back to self-belief, you were too good for that league. We know that. You knew that. But had it got to a point there where you're thinking... Well, I'm on a I'm on a fairly good deal here. I'm just trying to now. Had you become a journeyman, so to speak, at that point, and that's not a it's not a particularly Listen, great term. Knew, what were you doing there? I knew that when I was in Philippines, I knew that I'd, I'd be happy with this for the rest of my career. If okay. if if it stayed like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe I might get a move to Thailand. Maybe I might get a move to Hong Kong or Singapore, but. Well, more and more, I travelled around there and played in them tournaments and played against them teams. There weren't really that much difference. You know what I mean? I'd be moving. Grass ain't always greener on the other side. Yeah. I had an owner in Dampalami that were looking after me. Probably probably looking after me too much. <laughs> uh, and obviously, people... My dad, my dad, my dad come over uh, to see me for the first time. And I think it was Holy Week. And Dan Palami says, oh, hey, Daddy, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, don't worry about it, I'll sort it. Before we knew it, we had two plane tickets to Cebu. He paid for us to have this private villa with his own jacuzzi. And my dad was just sat in jacuzzi, FaceTime his mates at work. <laughs> and his mates were putting phone down on him. <laughs> you know what I mean, Griff? Piss off. <laughs> so, uh, at that point, I thought, yeah, I've got it pretty good here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but the, 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 it it was it was global, wasn't it? It was global, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So like, it was a bit of background on Dan Dan Palami and and the global setup. It was weird. That's only that's only, the only the only word I could use for it is weird. Like I used to get paid directly from him. Cash under to, bed, then cash under bed. <laughs> I used to have to catch a, I used to have to catch a taxi through one of the roughest parts of Manila. <laughs> To his office, he'd ask me how much I'm owed. I'd write it down on a piece of paper because I keep it in a book. I'd write it down on a piece of paper. He'd phone through through his secretary. She'd go to the bank and he'd come back with a briefcase. Oh my gosh. Incredible. So I'd, be like, I'd be like, what on earth is happening here? So then I'd have to catch a taxi back with a briefcase back to his hotel. I'm surprised you didn't get done over. Someone looking for you there. Oh, that's that Ben. Honestly, it's that you ben. He's, look out for him. He's he's got that briefcase. <laughs> Honestly, you couldn't make it. You couldn't make it up. But it, and then and then all the rest of the lads would get paid by the I don't know global holdings or stuff like that. It was crazy. But I had my apartment paid for. I lived in obviously F1 hotel. Yeah. Furbished apartment, three pools. I had everything that they had. I will, I will, I will live in, live in the dream. <laughs> and then, obviously, obviously the typhoon happened, 
And I think that's when things started to change. Yeah. And the money started to go out of the game, didn't the it, really? To, the money started to dry up. Uh, things started to change. Which, you know what? I don't have no qualms over because I saw the devastation of what it caused. And mm. I saw the, like, obviously, Dan, he lost people himself yeah. in his yeah. house in Tacloban, family members, and they drowned and stuff like that. And I felt, and I even felt for him. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then he pulled me to one side and it, it was just a case of, look, Ben, I'm pulling back the money and because I was the captain at the time, weren't I? Yeah. The captain of the club. Very rare that the captain gets brought in and says, right, you, get, you can't keep you anymore. Do you know what I mean? And it was, I was settled there. Like, obviously, Reagan uh, just started working at your your place, British yeah, School. Yeah. It was perfect. Yeah. We were absolutely perfect. We couldn't have asked for it to be any better. She started meeting her own friends. Because you know what it's like sometimes when you're, Bring your missus over. It's just you and your missus. Like she, she had her own socialising group of friends, just meeting people at the school and things like that. How we're gonna start coaching there, Werner, and yeah. stuff like that. And it, we were absolutely devastated when he brought us in. Yeah, because we didn't want to go home. It was just a bit too premature, too premature. Yeah. And uh, but like I said, we couldn't we couldn't argue with it. That that's that's what it was and. It happened, and then so you've had these rich experiences in football all over the world, really, and and great life experiences as well. You then devastated. You've got to go back, and you're late twenties, aren't you? And you're thinking, well, what now? And tell us about that period then of going back, and then towards where you're setting up your own business. Well, I come back. Uh, we decided that we. I had offer. I had other offers uh, in Europe mainly back in Poland, but I'd already been there, done that. And I was just sick. I would, to be honest, I would have stayed out there if I hadn't just got the uh, sack. <laughs> but I would have, it was one of them. I think I'd just had enough of travelling. And I'd, I just, I just wanted to settle down somewhere where we knew exactly where we were going to be, what we were doing, set yeah. roofs down, and we're at that point where we're thinking about having kids. So we come back and said, look, we're going to stay in in England, see see what comes up. If all fails, I'll move down to semi-pro and have a look, see what's out there. Comes back, Brian Reed gets a job at Nuneaton Town. So straight away, he's rang me up. He said, look, Ben, I've got a job at Nuneaton Town. Why don't you come and join me? And at the time, they were in conference premier which is still a very good league. They're still playing your Grimsby's, your Exams, your Knox Counties, your stuff, people like that. So I thought, yeah, fair enough, I'll go there. Played there for a season. What? I had rough, smooth, rough, smooth, a bit of a turbulent year because Brian Reid left after a couple of months and left me there. So new manager comes in, blah, blah. It was, it was OK. Uh, that were another year past playing. Gets a phone call, uh, Answorth Paramore. And at the time, Answorth Paramore, they uh, had Pete White, chairman, and he was pumping a lot of money in. He wanted to like move the club up, up the leagues. So I, I dropped down five leagues, which again, which again, I shouldn't have. Because uh, then, I'm obviously, I'm at that level. I should have stayed at the highest level possible until, until well, until I should have. But 
I couldn't believe you made that drop when you told us, Ben. And when we came yeah. to watch you play, when Blades watched you in, when Blades played against you in pre-season, you were just far too good for that level. Yeah, I shouldn't have, mate. I shouldn't have. But again, that's part of the process of... You make mistakes, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I probably listened to some people when I shouldn't have. I got brainwashed a little bit or... At the time, I just thought I was travelling to Nuneet and I was playing Dover away on a Tuesday night. I weren't getting back home while 5am. Yeah. And then I was getting up for work the next day. Do you know what I mean? It was just one yeah. of them. It was, do I carry on doing this or do I move back home closer to home and spend more time with me, my yeah. family? But I shouldn't have. You're right. I shouldn't I shouldn't have. And I, and I kicked myself again from that. I should have stayed at the highest level possible uh, for as long as possible. But... It happened, and that's what it is. And yeah. that that obviously sent me to obviously start my own business, looking to where where I go next. Do you know what I mean? A little bit earlier than I thought it was going to come around. And where does that come from then? That 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 self belief to set up a joinery business. Where has this been a little sideline you've been doing while you while you've been playing? What's that all about? I actually I actually done me. Uh, Done my qualifications through the PFA while while okay. I was still playing, so I got told, "Look, you need to you need to think about doing something. You need yeah, to yeah. think about doing something when you're finished." And obviously, everyone goes, "I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I'll be all right." And I, I'm one of them. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. And then eventually, like reality kicks in, and you think, "What am I going to do when I finish playing?" Yeah, I, I've done all my coaching qualifications. I coached at Sheffield Wednesday for three years. I coached at Sheffield United for another two and a half years. Yeah. And there's no money in it. Yeah. There's no money in it. And you can be working 16 hour days. Yeah. There's no there's no limit to how many hours you're working throughout the day as an academy coach. You could be going to Sunderland yeah. and you still get paid just as much as if you're gonna play Rotherham. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like them them coaches need the right part on the back because the time that they give up, the kids and for the academy and for the progression and stuff like that is, it's well, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and eventually, I thought to myself, right, I'm going to put this on hold for a bit. My my wife, my wife at the time was like saying, "When are you going to start spending weekends at home? <laughs> when are you going to get your arse in gear? <laughs> yeah, when are you going to start spending weekends at home?" And then I had my little girl, and I had my second little girl, and then it's like. When you're gonna start spending time at home? When you, you, yeah. your girls don't see you? When you're gonna do this? When you're gonna do that? And and she, she was right. Yeah. And I and I sat back and thought, you know what? You're absolutely right. I'm going here. I'm spending all these hours here, and I'm only getting paid. I said, time with my kids is more important. Time with my family is more important. So I thought to myself, right, I'm gonna put my coaching career on hold. Yeah. Don't know my badges anyway. They're never gonna leave me. Yeah. I've got the experience of coaching. I've got the experience of playing professional and all that. Said so I can go back to that whenever I want, but what I can't go back to is missing my kids growing up. Yeah. So basically, I, I took off the team. Well, made a decision. That's it. I'm going to put my football coaching and everything on hold, and I'm going to concentrate on this. And then that pushed me into building my own business. Mm. And uh, Reagan's stepfather. Uh, he he asked me to come on site one time on this on this glass yard in Chesterfield. And he went, just come on here. He said, Come on here with me. It was about eight months work, blah, blah. So I said, All right, well. So I went on there with him. 
I never look back. Okay. After that, I was getting people get asking me, can you do my shop fit on the glass yard? Shop fit at a uh, air salon. Did that. Boom, right. I'm going to go into shop. I'm going to do more shop fitting. Did more shop fitting. Yeah. Right, office refurb. Can you refurb? Like, right, I'm going to do that. Right, more office refurbs. And then eventually, I, I had my pipeline coming in. And I thought, this is me. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. And the, the money... His closest thing to living our life again, like a footballer, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Good on you. Obviously, nowhere near as much as a footballer, but it's it's the next best thing. Yeah. Working for myself, got no one to answer to, and that's it. So I've never looked back. Been busy ever since. Don't get me wrong. There's times where you think, oh, I need some work. I need need to look at this. Oh, I need to look at that. I need to. But you've got to stay positive. And if people like the biggest thing is. People like you. Yeah. Like yeah. it's so underestimated that you know what, Ben? We we could have another podcast all together and I think we should one day, just on relationships and, and being a person that people remember because yeah. you've got a really adhering personality. You're a person that we've we've met obviously on, on numerous occasions and we've we've been in touch for years, but from that first meeting, you do have a warmth about you and an honesty and a, an absolute genuine sort of approach to just being a really good person who wants to just chat and, and connect with people. And I'm sure in your line of business, that's a huge, huge um, thing for you to have that helps you to to get business, to to make friends, to have people that look after you. And, you know, it's a story there, Ben, that has ultimately got a really, really positive ending. I know it's been smattered with sort of, um, maybe you, you mentioned it, some bad advice that you've taken and some mistakes that you've made, but to be a father of two kids with, you know, a lovely, lovely wife and a business that you can call your own, you know, you've come out of it in such a strong position, but it always, you know, it almost makes you think when you go back and you, you, you analyze some of the things that you've told us, you were a likable, positive, honest young man that just wanted to go out and play football. That's all you wanted to do. You wanted to, to go and do it and you were willing to travel all over the world to try and do it. And I wonder whether, looking back, you've got any regrets or anything that you felt you should have done differently. Obviously, going back in the interview, you know the things yeah. that I should have done differently. There's some yeah. bad decisions, uh, some decisions where I should have uh, done the opposite. You know what I mean? Uh, I should have ground it out a little bit more instead of going abroad, probably at the beginning. But I don't have no regrets in terms of where I've been, what I've done at yeah. all. So that that's made me the person I am today. You can't beat a life you can't beat a life experience. Yeah. Yeah, you've like, seen stuff that the normal average kid from intake has never seen, mate. Uh, uh, exactly. Undoubtedly, but I just wonder whether contradictively, and this is where it's difficult because you can't go back and run a parallel life and a parallel timeline. Mm. But because you wanted to play so much and you were willing to take risks and go out and do it. You went to these different places that might have ultimately gone against you because you didn't have your face in and around the British League where you wanted to go. And I wonder whether there's players that are in similar positions to you who've stayed, you know, who've ground it out and who've really not enjoyed it and who haven't played as much, but they've managed to get a break that six months later because they're still around that 12 months later, that 18 months later. And I suppose that's a question we'll never know. Um but it almost seems unfair. All you were trying to do is go out and play the sport that you loved and the, the thing that you did to make yourself some cash, you know? Oh, 100%. Like, I'm on the building. 
I get I get stick on the building site now because they get a whiff that obviously I used to play football and stuff like that and they they give me stick. They say, <laughs> Oh, look at you now, where are you now? And all this. And I say, I've been there, done it. Yeah. I've traveled the world for free, getting paid playing football. <laughs> what were you doing? You know what you... <laughs> and, 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 and they soon shut up. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? You can't you can't put a price on that. No, you're right. I mean, I've been to, I've been to Petra through a, through a Polish football camp. I mean, who who doesn't see one at Seven Wonders at World? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like just through a football camp. Yeah, yeah. Been to the Dead Sea reading a newspaper, sat up on Dead Sea. <laughs> like, and your dad's FaceTimes his mates from an octub in Cebu. You can't. Yeah, and my dad's, and and my dad's got to FaceTime his mates from a jacuzzi <laughs> in Cebu. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, good, it's all it's all great experiences. It is. It's class. It's class. We probably want to just just pull it together now, Ben, with a few quick fire bits to finish. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start. Give us give us the highlight of your career. What's the one thing that you'll always remember that you thought, you know, what I was at the top of my game there and I loved it. Like I said before, probably playing in that World Cup. Yeah. I mean, if you ask senior players now playing in a World Cup, I bet they say it's best thing, best experience that they've ever done. You can't. You, you can never. No one can ever take that away from me that I've played in one. Yeah. And to beat Brazil, in, to beat Brazil in that first game, I'll never feel anything like that ever again. I don't think. Yeah. And to be on the same pitch as those, you know, superstars that you've mentioned, unbelievable. Oh yeah, it's. Don't get me wrong. I was nervous, nervous as hell before the game, reading all these superstars, how much they touted, like transfer fee after, got who they go into, and so on, but. And then I'm stood there, local lad from Sheffield, and we beat him 1-0. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, He's worth 25 million who I'm playing against, so now I'm thinking in my head, how much am I worth? <laughs> and I get home and I find out I'm worth 250k. <laughs> Fantastic. And then and the last one, Ben, we talked about it off screen beforehand. Give us then your three managers either what you've played with or you'd love to play for three managers that you'd love to be part of their team? Uh, I'd say I'd like to play for Pep Guardiola. Yeah. Just because I think he's changed the game. You'd be playing centre-mid, wouldn't you, as a right-back now? You'd be, like, tucked in and... Well, that's why I want to play for Pep Guardiola because yeah. he's <laughs> pushed me further up the pitch. <laughs> No, but what he's done for football is unbelievable. Like you see the play, you see the managers that's worked on, like work with him. Mikel Arteta, he's coming good now. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Good. Other coaches, they're just he's, he's doing something that I don't know. He's just doing something totally different that's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I know. I know he gets a lot of stick, but I'd love to play for Jurgen Klopp as well. Yeah. Just because I think he's a, a different kind of manager to Pep Guardiola. I think he's. Is the tight-knit manager that I would have loved to play for, like all that fist pumping, that that art on his sleeve. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Last gets, one. Gets your team going. Uh, you know what? Terry Butcher. Yeah. Was Terry Butcher was one of the nicest blokes I've ever met. Oh, brilliant! He has this persona of being this odd man. Don't get me wrong; I've I've, I've seen him and he can lose it, but he's Nicest, one of the nicest blokes you ever meet. Does he always wear a bandage on his head? <laughs> yeah, no, no, mate, but he wears a woolly hat to cover that scar. <laughs> oh, does he? You just have that picture of yeah, Terry oh, Butcher what? every time. Don't yeah, you? that's his infamous for, isn't it? Give us a Terry Butcher story, Ben. 
Uh, well, it, I think we were losing one. I think we were losing one nil at half time. It was just before half time, and it was a sloppy goal. I think our, our goalkeeper might have messed up, and he's coming and he's not said anything. And then all of a sudden, he's just walked back out of the shower and he's just put his foot straight through a water dispenser. <laughs> but the thing is, his foot went straight through it and he couldn't get it back out. <laughs> so all the lads are there getting a bollocking. But we all wanted to just burst out laughing, but we didn't. <laughs> oh, man, brilliant. Last one, Ben. Tell us, um, our, our podcast is, is Infinite Learners Podcast and we try and come at things from different angles and look at concepts in different ways obviously today has been in, in many respects a light-hearted look at self-belief but with some really strong messages in there as well and some real sincerity and honesty from what you've done what what have you learned from your whole process and your whole journey so far in football and beyond i've got a quote that i take with me all the time oh nice and basically it's dream it believe it achieve it nice if you do them three things, then obviously, like you said, you should have no regrets. It's all about manifestation there, Ben. If you're dreaming it, believing it, and then you achieve it, yeah, it's uh be nice That's if we all felt like that. It'd be amazing. It's a great message for the kids at school, actually, that one. Yeah, for sure. Top man. Ben, it's been a class to chat, right. as I said. Always, always entertaining, always fun, always bags of honesty. Yeah. And I'm already looking forward to seeing you again. You'll be on here again soon, I hope. Tell us about uh, <laughs> tell us about some of your plans for the future. Not for me. I'm just working hard, uh, building my business up. I've got another saying: I'm not here to participate. I'm here to take over. So I've got some work to do. <laughs> but yeah, mate, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. It's reality. Obviously, every day is not not smooth, uh, but we just roll up the sleeves and we just keep grinding. And you've been in uh, you've been in a newspaper recently, haven't you? I have, mate. I have. Uh, I think I got a, a picture message from me uh, from my father-in-law. He nearly spat his cup of tea out in cafe <laughs> when he opened it up, and I'm on double double header. <laughs> Sheffield Star. Yeah, uh, Sheffield Star. So, and there might be a book deal from that as well, then, Ben. Mate, it's been touted. It's been touted, uh, but. There's a lot more stories to go in a book than they can fit in in uh, an hour yes. and a half. So keep posted. Yeah, definitely, mate. Top Good man. luck with that. Yeah, top man. Thanks a lot, Ben. Take care and we'll speak to you soon. Cheers, guys. Speak to you soon. listening to Sensemakers brought to you by the Infinite Learners podcast and backed by Tsunami, the number one ego kit provider for schools worldwide. You can learn more about Tsunami by, by visiting tsunami-sport.com and if you want to hear more from the Infinite Learners, you can find us on your favourite podcast platform, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Until next time, we'll see you.